0: Well, good morning. Let's uh, go ahead and get started this morning. I want to welcome you to our Sunday School Hour. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you very much for our time together this morning. Thank you for the classes that are going on throughout this building. We thank you very much for the teachers and their commitment and their willingness to teach and to instruct week in and week out. Father, as we open up the scriptures this morning and look at this most glorious topic, we just pray that your spirit would teach us, that we would gain insights that maybe we hadn't gotten before, and the Father, that we would just be overwhelmed at who you are, what you do, your remarkable, amazing power, and the fact that that great power is at work in us today. So thank you for the topic, thank you for the class, thank you for what follows, and we pray your blessing upon it, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We have been talking about the suffering Savior, the suffering servant for quite a while, for two, three weeks now, and so we turn that page and we get to deal with the glorious topic of the resurrection. The resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this, "...now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand." by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I have delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Our topic today is the resurrection. So as we talk about the gospel, as, as we would talk about what it is that Jesus did for us, and we need to make sure that we understand this, and I'm sure you do, but let's reemphasize this as we're going to look at this this morning. <clears throat> if we don't emphasize the resurrection, why is that a bad thing in, in talking about the gospel? Why, as Paul did this, why is it that he went all the way into, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures? Why is that incredibly important? Because we have a living Savior. Very good. Why else? Eternal life, why else it proves what he was saying, who Jesus was saying what he who he says he was exactly right anything else it proved it proved he appeased God's anger. that's exactly right demonstrated that God had power over death, that power over death and that death no longer was the enemy. That's exactly right. So you have to go all the way to this last section in order for us to understand the fullness of the gospel, don't we? And we understand that, and, and I think that, you know, obviously anytime we talk about the gospel, that's that's um, understood, but we need to make sure that it's said many times, okay? That the resurrection is that kind of a deal, that it is that important. So what we're going to do this morning is what we've done the last couple weeks, in the fact that we're going to read all four gospel accounts of the resurrection you guys, you know this so well, you're so familiar with it, um, that that's what we're going to do. We're going to be reminded of it, and then if time permits, we'll do a couple other things about a little Bible study about the power of the resurrection in our lives. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to read all four Gospels. Um, the, the resurrection stories are in, are in chapter 28, 16, 24, and 20. We're going to start in chapter 27, 15, 23, and 19. Because we want, to, we want to go from the time he was crucified forward and, uh, and read all of these stories. So <clears throat> mostly we're really going to allow the Word of God to do the work today and do the teaching. Um, and just be reminded and just in effect we want to be in awe at what God has done by allowing God's Word to speak to us. So Matthew chapter 27 beginning at verse 57. It was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary, sitting opposite the grave. Now on the next day, the day after preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate, and they said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days, I am to rise again. Therefore give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go, make it as secure as you know how. And they went out and they made the grave secure along with the guard, and they set a seal on the stone. We're going to read out of every gospel here, but before we go to the next one, which is going to be in Mark 15, what is the interesting thing about this particular story here? What is the thing that is fascinating about this? Okay, they thought they were going to steal the body, absolutely, and keep going with that whole thing. And because of that, in their... In their mind of stopping a hoax from taking place, they created a scenario whereby it was clear that he was raised from the dead. Isn't that interesting? We're going to stop the hoax. And by, by putting all of those interesting things in place, there was no doubt then that it was actually God that was doing it. Isn't that how God works? Let's go to the next one, which is Mark chapter 15. Verse 42. When evening had already come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked him for the body of Jesus. Pilate wondered if he was dead by this time, and summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he was already dead. And ascertaining this from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Now, let me just point out here we didn't do this when we talked a little bit last week. Uh, crucifixions could take hours and hours and hours and sometimes days okay a couple of days to take place it was an incredibly slow excruciating slow death and in the in the gospel we see that they checked to see if they were dead they would break their legs sometimes to speed the death up because if they if they broke their legs they were unable to push back up to gain that breath again as we talked about a little bit last week and so they would die a lot quicker the amazing thing is that jesus christ died in only six hours which tells us He gave up his life. That's exactly right. He did it. Okay? He did it. And everybody was amazed by that. Verse 46, Joseph bought a a linen cloth, took it down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he was laid. Luke chapter 23. beginning at verse 50 and a man named joseph who was a member of the council a good and righteous man he had not consented to their plan and action a man from arimathea city of the jews who was waiting for the kingdom of god this man went to Pilate and asked him for the body of jesus and he took it down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever lain it was a preparation day and the sabbath was about to begin Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. And on the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. John chapter 19 then. And we begin at verse 31. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who is "...has seen, has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may also believe." Great little sentence, nice verse, isn't it? "...and he who has seen, testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe." John says it, I mean, how many times does he say it? Something like that. How many times does he need to say it this time? I was there. I saw it. You can trust what I'm saying. "...for these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture. Not a bone of him shall be broken." And again, another scripture says, They shall look on him to whom they pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away the body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus, and they bound it in linen wrappings with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. And so we read in all the Gospels, many of them are are very similar. We get a few extra details as we go along, and we find out that the body was taken care of by those that were followers of him. It's interesting, isn't it, that none of the disciples really were part of that. It was these two followers of Jesus who were of the council uh, Nicodemus and Joseph and these were these were prominent men and they were the ones that took care of the body of Jesus and they're the ones that stepped up and did that and of course um, Joseph gave him his tomb and he was put in it and then we read about the tombs being secured uh, so that no one would doubt that uh, he was there and that he was dead and that we would move on all right let's go back to Matthew now And we will read the four resurrection stories. Matthew 28. It says this. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came upon it and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now while they were on their way, some of the guard came to the city and reported to the chief priest all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave large sums of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this shall come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and they did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day fascinating. What are some observations from this particular section about the resurrection? What are some observations that you would make about this? Yep, yep. So the tomb had to be opened, and and so that they could see it. That's exactly right. And so there it was, wide open for him to come and see the re- that he was gone. right and come and spill a body from under? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty silly, isn't it? The whole scenario was pretty silly agreed that the Roman guards couldn't take care of these these guys. Exactly right. I agree. Yep. Yep. yep Yep. Yep. Yeah the power of God. Yes. kind of interesting isn't it yeah very good government's been corrupt for a while I like that that's true yeah Willie yeah it was a death penalty exactly and so they said we'll take care of that for you exactly right exactly right, I think it's interesting too that, that God used a severe earthquake it says, and behold a severe earthquake had occurred for the angel of the Lord descended from the Lord it was the Lord again announcing something great is happening, pay attention he's done that, he did that with the, what we call the Christmas story, he's doing that with the resurrection story it's, you know, when these are remarkable things happen, God does things and he's saying to the world pay attention, look this is different, this is unusual okay and uh it's interesting that he does that. Well, you know, that like Yeah. It's still today, and the still this lie. Do they? The, yes. yep, that the body was stolen. The body was stolen. He, he, the let's go to Mark chapter sixteen. When the sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. There they were saying to one another, "Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb?" Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed, for you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. After he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who were with him while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. After that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along the way, uh, on their way to the country. And they went away and reported to the others, but they did not believe them either. Some observations from the gospel account in Mark that you find interesting. Yes? I, I agree. That's an astounding thing, isn't it? After all the miracles they saw Jesus perform, after him being very clear that he told them over and over again, they still didn't believe. And, and isn't that how it is that, that our sight overrules our faith so often? Isn't that the way it is? And that is, that is kind of an astounding thing, isn't it? That that's exactly right. Yes? Okay. Same thing. Yes? Yep, absolutely. You betcha. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Go tell his disciples and Peter. That's exactly right. A specific one because he was he needed to let Peter know it's okay. It's all right. You're still part of the group. I still love you. You still belong to me. It's exactly right. Anything else? All right. Let's go to Luke chapter twenty-four. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee? saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And they returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now there were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, and also the women who were with them, telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linens... Uh, rappings only, and he went away to his home marveling at what had happened. And then we go on to this next part here, and actually we're going to study that next week in detail, but we're going to read it now. The next week's lesson, uh, actually it's in two weeks, is on the road to Emmaus, but we want to read it today. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Now, I want to say this, and I'll probably mention this when we get to this lesson in two weeks, but of all the days in history, I want to be part of this. I want to be with these two fellows. Okay? I want to be with these two fellows walking along to have Jesus come and appear and walk with them. And their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words you were exchanging with one another as you were walking? What are you guys talking about? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them, named Cleophas, answered and said, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem unaware of which has happened these days? And he said to them, Well, what things? The things about Jesus the Nazarene who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. That's what we're talking about. But you see, we're so sad because we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. But also some some women among us were amazed when they were at the tomb early this morning and did not find his body. They came saying they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the woman had said, but they did not see him. So they're telling him what's going on, reporting what they're talking about, and Jesus said this, "Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into glory into his glory excuse me then beginning with moses and with all the prophets he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures get a pen and paper boys this is going to be good stuff right i'm going to explain to you where how jesus is seen beginning with moses all the way through the prophets i'm going to lay it out for you what a day this would have been And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for we're getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. He went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Then they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? I bet the guy who wrote it was explaining it to you. (laughs) That's good stuff. That's good. That's good. He was right on. That was excellent. And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. That's a cool deal. That passage is a cool deal. All right, some observations on verses 1 through 12 because we're going to do the other verses in a few weeks. You can make a few observations. Go ahead. Any observations on any of those verses? Yeah, it's true. It's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? They really didn't get it, did they? They just didn't get it, which is kind of like us. We're a little slow to understand the scriptures many times. Yeah, it makes you wonder if it's the, ones, if it's the believers are the ones that it the most. And what about, you know? Yeah. You do. You do wonder, don't you? Yeah. Some others. Yes. know. Yeah. I know. It would have been cool. I, we're going to have fun with that lesson in a couple of weeks. That's exactly right. That's a good insight. No one knows unless God reveals. There are how many people... And and how many people are in churches and hearing the gospel day after day and week after week and month after month and it means nothing to them because there is no spiritual life in them. It's exactly right. Yep, it's true. Yes? When you get back to the resurrection, there was part of the Jewish leaders that, that didn't, believe it. didn't believe in the resurrection. That's exactly right. So this was nonsense to the, to the Sadducees anyway. There's no such thing. That's right. This is a hoax to begin with for them. Okay. Yep, right off the bat. They wanted to go check it out. In the That's exactly right. They were perplexed. They were wondering. It was, it was an interesting time, wasn't it? But Jesus was alive. Let's go to John. So like I said, in a couple of weeks we'll do uh, the road to Emmaus. It, it, it'll be fun. Chapter 20 of John. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the tomb already take, and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. Now the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him, entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb and then entered, he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away to their own homes. But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so, as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? supposing him to be the gardener she said to him sir if you've carried him away tell me where you've laid him and i will take him away and jesus said to her mary she turned and said to him in hebrew Rabani, which means teacher jesus said to her stop clinging to me for i have not yet ascended to the father but go to my brethren and say to him, i ascend to my father and your father and my god and your god mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples i have seen the lord and that he had said these things to her Observations from John chapter 20. Are we done? We're done observing? That's it? it Yeah. Yeah, and that's when the Gospels, when they're all done like this, it is very confusing. I should have gotten out the harmony and read them like that. I should have done that. It is kind of confusing to understand all that. And, and I'm not going to... Yeah, but it is a little confusing in that respect. What we know, what's important is, they were there, they saw, and he was raised. And John yeah, and John believed. Exactly right. But that's a good observation. As you read these, it, it can be to put it all together. And there are some great resources out there that do a harmony of of the gospels themselves and the resurrection story so it kinda of flows a little bit better. We're so used to watching CSI watching everything happen We do. Well, that's that's a fair point. <laughs> it's and, and it's written in a narrative form in different ways. That's exactly right. Yes. I think that in part it's, it's to, to let you know that it wasn't a um, chaotic situation, that the resurrection was an orderly thing, that God knew what he was doing, that it wasn't somebody that came in and stole the body and, and took with them all of things. So I think it's just to make it very clear that he was wrapped in this respect and they're still there with both of them, and that's my understanding of that. Absolutely, I'm sure that's why, which is one of those weird things. But, yeah, I think that, that is why there's so much. Somebody was saying something over here. Yes, there. Oh, um, the discrepancies in the accounts, how they are so, in some cases, so different, and you kind of wonder what's what exactly. That is actually one of the uh, really good things yes. that You're right. There are. That's a great, great, great point. And he's exactly right in that respect, that because they are so unique in their thing, it's, it's one of the proofs that, that this was not a collusion. They all didn't get together and say, here, this is what we're going to say. It was from their own perspective, as they saw things develop, their own writing styles and all of that. That's a really good point, Daryl. Yeah, and I think that one of the reasons for that is that exactly what Willie said is that, <clears throat> is that life is given by God and the transformation comes when God does a great work in our lives. And I think that that's part of what the Gospels is pointing out here is that, is that you can't manufacture spiritual life and you don't, you don't make spiritual life on your own. It's God revealing to you. It's the Spirit revealing to you and only the Spirit. And so I think that the Gospels are showing that to us to a certain degree that it needed to be God doing it um, revealing to them so that they would see. Um, and I think that that's part of what is being taught in the whole gospel uh, account of the resurrection. And that's why, I, I, and I, I believe that's really important, actually. Another fact we have here, two of them are eyewitness accounts. Two yep. of them did not. Mark's questionable, in some studies I've done, Mark's possibly Peter's son... Uh, but Mark didn't see it, more than likely. Luke definitely didn't. He was somewhere along the time of Paul afterwards. Yeah, two There's eyewitnesses of the Gospels. Yep. There. Yep. But it's all given to us so that we would know. It's exactly right. Cool stuff. It's the resurrection. Let me read to you from our quarterly. And I, what I've done the last couple of weeks, because I really like what they've done with this, and these are such remarkable topics. I want to read from our quarterly the voices and the further commentary from our quarterly and just go through and, let, and, and read you what other people have to say about the resurrection. <clears throat> A guy named um, Nick Ripkin. Jesus is very much alive and well in the 21st century. Jesus is revealed in the lives and the words and resurrected, and resurrection faith of the believers in persecution. Those believers don't just live for Jesus. They live with Jesus every day. And that's one of those key things, right? How do we know that he lives? He lives within us. And that's, I mean, the truth of the scriptures, but he lives within us. And that's exactly what he was just saying there. The God who remained apparently silent on Good Friday, the God who remained silent during the trial, the God who we read about that didn't open his mouth, is having the last word, N.T. Wright says. He is answering the unspoken questions of Jesus' followers and the spoken questions of Jesus himself on the cross. And what God is doing is not just an extraordinary miracle, a display of supernatural power for its own sake, or a special favor to Jesus. What God is doing is starting something new, beginning the new world promised long ago, sending the disciples to Galilee in the first place, but then, as we shall see, onto the ends of the earth and to the close of the age with the news of what has happened... A whole new world was opening up in front of them. Life was changing completely at the resurrection, and that's an important thing. Notice the angel's words, Charles Spurgeon says. See and then go. Make sure about the fact that you yourselves and let others know of it. What you know, tell, and do it quickly. Swift be your feet. Such good news as you have to carry should not be long on the road. The king's business required haste. So the angel became an evangelist and herald of the resurrection to the women. Do not seek, he says, the one who always lives, who in his own nature is life among the dead. He is not here. That is dead and in the tomb, but he has been raised. He has become a way of ascent into immortality, not only for himself also, but for us. For this reason he made himself nothing and put on our likeness, that by the grace of God, just as the blessed Paul says, just as the blessed Paul says, he might taste death on behalf of all, so he has become the death, so and so he has become the death of death. I uh, thought that was phrased pretty cool. John Piper says the Bible says he was raised not just after the blood shedding, but by it. That means that what that means that what the death of Christ accomplished was so full and so perfect that the resurrection was the reward and the vindication of Christ's achievement in death. A.W. Tozer said, we understand and acknowledge that the resurrection has placed a glorious crown upon all of Christ's sufferings. It is an amazing thing when we think about the resurrection and what it is and what it does and, and, and the power of it. I want to look at some verses that talk about that this morning. Turn with me to Job, the book of Job chapter 19. Jesus walked with the guys on the road to Emmaus and he told them about how Jesus was seen in Moses and the prophets. Maybe this verse was mentioned. Job said in 1925, For as as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and at last he will take his stand on the earth. All the way back in Job, which we understand to be the first book written. Job was a contemporary before, you know, in Moses' time. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives. One of the unique things about Christianity has always been that God is a God who is alive. It's always been the thing that has separated him. And he's made that very clear. When he pronounced that great thing in Exodus of I am that I am, by the very language and the grammar he was pronouncing the fact that I'm alive, I was alive, and I will be alive. I am that I am. I'm the self-existent one, and nothing can change that. That has always been the case. And the Bible teaches that in incredible ways. So let's look at some verses that just talk about the resurrection and the remarkable nature of it. John chapter 11. When Jesus was going to his good friend's death, uh, he had died. He was going to the tomb in John chapter 11 verse 21. Well, actually, just, let's just skip down and, and, and look at 25 and 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Th- that's absolutely some of the most amazing words ever uttered and words that we need to cling to with great hope, aren't they? And he said this while he was still living, right? And he, and he made sure that she knew, I'm the resurrection and the life. And I'm, I'm going to prove that just right down the road here. I'm going to prove that I'm the resurrection and the life. And the result of me being the resurrection in life is that those who believe in that will never die because of the resurrection. That is an incredibly wonderful thing. Romans chapter 6. These are just verses that talk about the resurrection in some general ways and a few specific ways. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Jump down to verse... um, No, we'll just stop there. That's a cool thing. The idea that he said that Paul is, is talking about the fact that the resurrection can be and will be yours if you believe. If you die with him, you live with him. That's awesome. First Corinthians. Uh, let's go to chapter six. And Paul is reminding people of the incredible, wonderful power of the resurrection when he says in 1 Corinthians 6.14, now God has not only raised up the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Not only have you been raised up, but not only has the Lord been raised up, but he's going to raise you up through his power. Okay? You've seen it. You've talked about it. And, and when Paul wrote this, the resurrection would have been a talked about event still. This would have been something that they regularly discussed. Okay? The resurrection, that's an amazing thing. And Paul is wanting them to know, you know what? God has not only raised up the Lord, but he'll raise us up through his power too, if you believe. And then, of course, there's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you really can't talk about the resurrection without ending up there eventually. Chapter 15 is just full of these incredible things. We started off by reading chapter 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance, in verse 3, that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Let's keep reading. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, untimely born, he appeared to me also. Isn't it something that you, you got to understand that there was a time in history when you could have found somebody who saw the resurrected Lord. Okay, this is, a, this is a historical event. This happened. And he was with them for 40 days for a while, teaching them. And we'll talk a little about what that in two weeks. There was a time when you could have researched it and you could have wondered is this thing about Jesus true? And you could have gone and researched and found and asked and looked into and eventually found somebody and said, listen, I'm wondering if Jesus was really raised from the dead. And that person would have said, yeah, I saw it. I saw him die and I saw him alive. Yes, he was raised from the dead. God made it incredibly clear that this was what happened. He appeared to many, many, many different people. Okay, Then there would have been for generations... My great-great-grandfather told me about when he saw Jesus. I can remember him telling me that story. I can remember my dad telling me about a story that his dad told him because his dad told him, and it was about they saw Jesus. Wouldn't that be something? That's the truth of the Gospels, is that he's alive. Well, chapter 15, he goes into these great Great things about the resurrection and all sorts of different things about why the resurrection is true and and saying uh, people uh, believe in the resurrection they, they have bad theology but they believe in the resurrection. And he talks about the fact that you got to die in order to be resurrected, and then let's jump on over to verse fifty. He says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. But I told you a mystery: we shall not sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on the immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal would have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. You know why it matters? You know why it matters that, that people teach and preach? You know why it matters why we have Vacation Bible School in Awana? You know why it matters why we have Sunday School? You know why it matters that you teach your children about Jesus Christ? Because He is alive that's why it matters because he's alive and he proved that he was the living God and he proved that sin didn't matter anymore and he proved that death was just a temporary situation that he overcame and so when you if you believe in him and die you live and if you believe in him and live you never die he said that's the way it's going to be from now on and because of that we understand that our toil and our work in the Lord is not in vain it matters because Jesus Christ is alive. And that's our great hope. And we need to understand that no matter what kind of work you're doing for the Lord, it matters because Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Let's go to 1st Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, those who have died before you, so as you will not grieve as the rest who have no hope. Interesting. Isn't that nice of God to do that? It's a great verse. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as the rest who have no hope. We want you to understand that you have hope. In your grieving, you have hope. You can grieve differently because you have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring With him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord and this great verse 18. Therefore comfort one another with these words. As you go through the sorrow and the grieving process, comfort one another with those remarkable words. Romans chapter 10. Actually, let's come back to Romans 10 in a moment. Um, Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. We'll end with Romans 10. Ephesians chapter 1. A couple of verses real quick that, that hopefully will encourage you in great ways. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, simply say this. And what is the surpassing greatness? He's praying that we would understand this. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Okay, we've got to grasp this. Paul is saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that you will know what is the hope of his calling. I pray that you will know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And I pray that you will know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. And by the way, that power that is toward us that we believe, that is the same power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead. Do you have power through the Holy Spirit in your life? You better believe you have power through the Holy Spirit in your life. A whole bunch of power. A whole bunch of power. Because Jesus Christ is alive. Go to Romans chapter 8. It says this in Romans 8 verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life through your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. You know, the reason why transformation takes place, the reason why you are different, all of those different things that you can talk about is because the power that is at work to do these things is the power of the resurrection. And that's a mighty, powerful thing. Finally, Romans 10, 9 and 10, a verse that you know it says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's an important part of the gospel. That he raised him from the dead. That he conquered death. By God's remarkable power. A power that is in you today. Let's ask God to work in us with that power, huh? Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for the remarkable story of the resurrection. How awesome and amazing it is. And Lord, I just pray that you would do a mighty work in our lives that we would understand that this great power of the resurrection is at work in us through the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, fill us with yourself. Cause us to yield to you. Cause us to follow you. Cause us to submit to you. Call us to, cause us to obey you. That that power, that resurrection power, might be seen and might affect lives and individuals for the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.